Welcome to the Product Podcast by Product School. Here's a preview of today's talk. So you're going to run a test, right? And it's going to do really well in the first three days. And you're like, great. I have a lot of people interacting with this. We're going we're gonna to run with this. I would say check for seasonality, right? Like, especially for media companies, right? There's a lot of like, well, people interact with your site differently on the weekends versus uh, during the weekday or like in the evening versus in the morning, right? So like all of these seasonal things or if you're working in an e-commerce company, right? Like what happens during Black Friday is not, you know, kind of typical, right? So just keep that in mind. So I would say when you're running a test, Rule of thumb, two weeks, right? But like, if you don't, run it a little bit longer. Um, but just make sure you let it run. Just because, you know, I've seen tests where we've, we've launched it the first three days, you know, you're really excited because you, you launched a great test and then you look at it and you're like, oh, you know, variant A was, you know, really kind of killing it. And then you let it run for the full two weeks and it flips, right? So just be cognizant of that. In this podcast, we teach our listeners valuable lessons about product management and transform them into thinking like a product manager. We teach product management, coding, data analytics, and blockchain in 14 campuses worldwide, including San Francisco, New York, and Seattle. You can find more information at productschool.com. Join our Slack community of 25,000 professionals to network and stay tuned for our upcoming events. All right, so what are we talking about? Uh, gonna give you kind of overview of A-B testing, kind of what it is, right? Um, we'll breeze through that really quickly. And then kind of move to what's A-B testing as a product manager. And then finally, I'm gonna kind of run through a handful of kind of best practices and tips uh, about you know, when you're running an A-B test, things to look out for. All righty. Um, so why do we A-B test, right? Uh, when you're building a new feature, you want to do it iteratively. You want to kind of figure out what works, right? And you do it in kind of small little steps just so that if you kind of make that mistake over here, you're like, oops, and you can roll it back and kind of go somewhere else and finally make it to the end goal, right? At least that's the general principle around A-B testing. Um, so how it works, right? You take a bucket of users, split them in half, give them one experience to this bucket of users, give another experience to that bucket of users, and you find out what wins, right? And that's the general principle of how A-B test works. Um, anyone confused, right? Kind of very basic, very high level. Good. All right, move on. All right. So when you run an A/B test, um, here's kind of the way that you want to think about it, right? So you want to think about well, what am I trying to solve, right? And it, this this seems very kind of academic. Like, why am I thinking of it this way? And for people that are in organizations that are like, hey, this is build, 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 and you know, you don't really kind of think about the bigger picture. This framework really kind of helps you think about okay, well, what is the bigger picture that I'm trying to do, right? So you want to figure out what am I trying to solve and what is this thing that I am trying to test, right? That's the hypothesis. What is it going to do? Um, then you move over to the variant. You want to figure out, well, what's the variable I'm changing? It's blue button, red button, right? Pop-up, layover, wh wh whatever it is. Um, you want to figure out the objective. So this is, what am I measuring, right? You have to be able to measure lift or change or something, right? So if you can't measure it, right, you, you have to basically figure out what that objective is or what the multiple objectives are. Uh, and then finally, you got to figure out, well, how are you going to serve it, right? 
how are you going to target it? Are you targeting all your users? Are you targeting just desktop users? Are you targeting uh, people that you know hit your site at night or a cer certain time, right? So these are all the things that kind of like you just generally have to think about when you're saying, okay, I'm going to run a test. All right. So now that you know you have kind of the framework of thinking about an individual test, let's kind of walk through that life cycle. So you'll have a coffee with somebody and you're like, oh, I have this great idea. You can put it on a napkin, right? And so that's the idea part, right? And, and nothing much, right? You're just kind of saying, I want to put down this idea and, and capture it somewhere. It could be a spreadsheet, whatever. Um, the next phase is, you know, you're doing some due diligence. You're doing the research to figure out, is it possible, right? Like, can I really make this happen? Uh, is it feasible, right? That, that's basically what you're trying to figure out. And also, what am I measuring? Like, what is that metric? What's that objective that I'm measuring for? Um, once you kind of figure that out, and, and that's kind of basically your requirements gathering phase, right? Like, then you go into in development. And this is, you know, when you start kind of building it and kind of pulling all the pieces together, uh, assuming you're building it, right? Some, because of your product managers, you're probably not like your engineers, right? And for the people that are building it themselves, highly recommend code review, it, right? Get your engineers, pull them aside and say, hey, can you please look at my code, right? There's no shame in that. Uh, it makes you a better developer. Uh, and it also builds trust with your engineering team. We can talk about that later. Um, and then once it's code reviewed, past that puppy, then number five, you execute and you launch it, right? And you let the test run. Don't touch it. Just let it go. Um, it will run once it's hit conclusion and it's reached statistical significance. You say, hey, I have a winner or I don't have a winner. But you have some kind of conclusion, right? And then you, what you want to do is really document those learnings. Uh, and that's basically, what do we do? And then what do I do next after this? And after that, then you just kind of do it again, right? Um, questions? No? Good? OK. Uh, so this is, A-B testing is slightly different depending on which company you're at. Yes? Um, when you said document, you want to document your findings. How, what is that? Like, what Could be. So the question is, how do you document your findings? Uh, it can be as simple as just throwing the uh, results of the test in a, uh, a Word doc or you know a Google slide, right? Just document it, like you know, hold it for posterity, right? So you can say, okay, we ran this test. What was the learnings? What was the findings, right? It gave me three hundred percent lift. Great, document it, right? So then you can always look back and say, look, three months ago we ran this test, right? And that's all it is. Um, nothing too fancy. Yes. Who did they write about your? Talking about testing features on a live site. Correct. Okay. Right. Yes. And you said when it reaches statistical significance, um, that gives you something. So what is what is the number? Um, I'm gonna hold that question, and then because some of the tips will kind of actually address that that part. Um, the the answer is it depends. <laughs> um, but. So testing, testing at different companies is different, right? Like, and this is really around testing culture. So depending, you know, depending if you're on, you're working at a huge company versus, let's say if you're working at Spotify versus a media company, it's extremely different, right? Like if you are at a company that builds everything themselves, they probably have a huge testing culture versus if you're at a startup where everyone's saying, oh yeah, we're data driven, but they're doing really everything by gut, right? The way that you run a test is very different in both of those environments. So that's kind of like the variable that you can't really control for. Uh, but uh, be cognizant when you go into these environments, right? Not everyone does A-B testing the same way. Um, ecosystem. So this is uh, 
dependent on what type of company you're at. So uh, again, Spotify, Yammer, or, or these huge, like Slack, right? What, what they've probably done is they've built A-B testing into their stack. So when you're, when you're launching a test, it's something that it's kind of innate to when they launch a product versus if you're, um, let's say you don't have a huge engineering team or like, you know, it's, a, it's just a simple website. What you do is you can uh, inc uh, add Optimizely or Dynamic Yield or, you know, Adobe Target, like any of these other kind of A-B testing platforms and bolt it onto, onto the site. And that'll basically work too, right? But ba depending on how that ecosystem is set up, uh, how you run that test is going to be slightly differently. Yes. Is there like a minimum number of users going to test or an average or depends on the Depends. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, and then the final part is resourcing. Um, the resourcing part is it depends on uh, how many front end engineers or back end engineers or just engineers in general that you have access to that uh, can be dedicated to your test. There's some organizations that have kind of a great testing culture, and every single time you want to launch a new feature, the first question is, well, did we test it? Did we, did, did we have lift before we launch it? Versus there's other places they think of testing as kind of like that stepchild over on the side, and they're just like, oh yeah, we'll run a test, right? So um, when you're in the organization where they kind of think of A-B testing as an afterthought, then uh, you frequently are saying that, well, I need an engineer to help me build this test, or I need, a, like, I need help executing XYZ, right? And so uh, just be cognizant that the resourcing part of this is, is, is a component that we don't really always have our, our control over. Um, okay, I'm gonna go into like a whole bunch of kind of like just general best practices. They're not in any order, really basically the last two weeks I thought of, okay, well, what are the things I talk about at work a lot? And then basically threw them up here. So this is basically in the last two weeks, the stuff I advice that we've been talking around around AB test, right? Um, so first things first is all users are not created the same. And the way I'm, what I mean by this is um, when you run a test, right? Let's say you had a million users and they went and, and, and you ran your test and of that million users, you were like, okay, well, this variant gave me a 20% lift. You don't know what that one million users were comprised of, right? They could be of your mobile users, they could be your brand loyalists, they could be from social or search, or like they, there's a lot of kind of detail in your audience. And it is important for you to understand how your individual audiences are interacting with your site. Because you can make a bit, pretty big gross assumption saying, oh, well, this, great, this, this site gave me lift, or this variant gave me lift. Uh, and so therefore, it's going to work for everybody. And that's actually not true. Um, so just be cognizant that uh, just because you ran it against a whole bunch of people doesn't mean that everybody in that group was the same. I have a question, if I may. Yeah. For example, do you mean that, like, say, the variant, which is giving you the lift, it's gaining that from techies who are in the know and are as to the technology, but to all the other, a bunch of other users you have, or more lay people, it didn't have an effect on them. So you need to know which segment it had the effect on. So, um, could be in that. So here's an example of this. Um, let's say I had a website and my traffic was 60% mobile and 40% desktop, right? So let's say it was that kind of 60% mobile. Uh, so I run a variant and um, uh, so, so I run my test and the outcome of the test is um, I had a 10% lift, right? Could very well be it resonated 
it didn't resonate at all with your mobile users, the 60% of your users, but it really resonated really well with your desktop users, right? Because, you know, let's that, face it, when you design, most of the time you're designing for a desktop, right? At least on the website. Uh, so it's just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind that even though a test got lift, right, you want to kind of dig into the numbers a little bit and like understand, well, who was really engaging with that variant. Good, all right. Um, the next is, it's a volume game, and this kind of speaks to your question about, well, how many people do you need, right? And if you have a feature that doesn't have a lot of people interacting with it, there's no reason to A-B test it, right? Like the, like, the general concept is, right, you're just throwing so much traffic against it that it's almost, we're confident that this is the one providing us lift, right? But if you don't have enough traffic, then you're just kind of like, well, I had nine people here and I had two people here, right? It's like, eh, right? Like, advice, we're dealing with millions of people and we're like, okay, well, two million came that way and two million came that way and still we'll like run it for like two weeks and we'll be like, mm, maybe that wasn't enough, right? So we're talking high volume. So this basically means if you're a startup and you're like in stealth mode and you're like, hey, you know what? I got like a good 10,000 people hitting my site maybe not the best, right? Like, it's good insight, potentially, right? It's something that, like, it's a good gut check, but to really get the true statistical significance, hey, this is ge generating lift, uh, you're probably not gonna get it. Yeah? What do you think a good P value is for PMs? You know, thought every company is 10 but I'm curious how you think about it. Right? Uh, so the question is, how do we think about P value? Um, the way we think about p-value is it's the default value that comes with Google Optimize. Like, we could change it, but our general philosophy is we want to iterate quickly on it. So we want to get the statistical significance, get the learnings, and then rerun, right? So um, our general take is get to statistical significance quickly, learn, and then reiterate, right, off of the same feature. Yes, your definition of Yeah, we didn't tweak it off of the default value. Yeah, I mean, I know there's some people that are very kind of like, well, you know, you could kind of ramp it up or ramp it down, and if it's going to work, it's going to work, right? The way that we, that's our kind of general kind of take against it. Yeah? Uh, the heat map is off of a Google search where I said, hey, heat map website, and that's, that's right. Like, but just generally speaking, it's like if you're testing something down here that no one interacts with, yeah, there's no reason to A-B test that, right? Like it's just not, you're not, you're going to run it for like a month and two months and then like not get anything from it. Um, yeah, so a lot of the images I just like say, well, I need something to talk about. Um, let it run. So you're going to run a test, right? And it's gonna do really well in the first three days. And you're like, great. I have a lot of people interacting with this. We're gonna, we're gonna run with this. I would say check for seasonality, right? Like, especially for media companies, right? There's a lot of like, well, people interact with your site differently on the weekends versus uh, during the weekday or like in the evening versus in the morning, right? So like all of these seasonal things or if you're working at an e-commerce company, right? Like what happens during Black Friday is not you know, kind of typical, right? So just keep that in mind. So I would say when you're running a test, rule of thumb, two weeks, right? But like, if you don't, run it a little bit longer. Um, but just make sure you let it run. Just because, you know, I've seen tests where we've, we've launched it the first three days, you know, you're really excited because you, you launched a great test and then you look at it and you're like, 
oh, you know, variant A was, you know, really kind of killing it. And then you let it run for the full two weeks and it flips, right? So just be cognizant of that. Tip four. Uh, okay, so this is track many objectives. Um, so when you're working with uh, tools like Adobe Target, Optimizely, uh, Google Optimize, uh, they always have this field where, well, what's the metric that you want to measure, right? And so a lot of times, um, actually, you know what? Let's do it this way. Let's say you're a website and you wanted to drive newsletter signups, right? And this is the, 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 the look and feel that your designers came out with. All right, we're going to, someone's going to hit the site, right? And we're going to give them this huge signup and we're going to drive signups, right? So what are the objectives that we would want to measure? Anybody? How many people signed up compared to who closed it? Okay, so signups, you want to know closes. How what? many people opened it? How many people, so let's say it loads on, on open, or, or are you saying by email? I would have said by email. Okay, so how many people actually signed up and opened the email? Yeah. Great, okay. Anybody else? Well, what about people that you already have, like how, like what were your traffic like, what was your time at rate before? Um, that could be a benchmark that you could look at, yeah, sure. Maybe the bounce rate. Great, bounce rate in the back. More field interaction. So hover and, 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 and focused on the box. Okay. How many people leave the site once they see it? Right. Bounce rate. So you want to, when you launch a test, and, and all great answers, right? When you launch a test, you don't want to just say, I'm looking at one metric and one metric only, right? Because what happens is you could get a whole bunch of people signing up for this, but they never open the email. Or you get a whole bunch of people that sign up for this, and you realize 80% of your users are bouncing the site because they find that annoying, right? So as much as possible, think of like all the different ways that this test could impact whatever metrics and track all of them, right? And depending on the platform, sometimes you actually have to set it up prior. So sometimes there's some platforms where you'll launch the test. You'll put two variables on there, or two metrics on there, and you're like, okay, I'm looking at these two variables. Then you'll let it run. And you realize, oh, I wanted to see how this third variable or metric interacted, and you can't go back and get it, right? So when you're picking your systems, just be cognizant of that. You have to kind of set it all up, up front. Questions? Did I lose anybody? Good? All right. Uh, avoid overlapping tests. So this is things like, let's say you're doing an email sign-up, right? And you're doing an email. Um, actually, email sign-up is probably not a good one. But let's say you're doing something like um, trying to drive pages per session, right? So you have, you know, some tests over here driving recirculation. You got some other tests, you know, driving more recirculation. And uh, at the end of the day, you're, you know, your, your test is going to say, okay, this drove lift. But you wouldn't be able to figure out, well, was it test A or test B, right? So uh, if you're in a scenario where you have two different tests that you really want to run, uh, stagger them, right? Run, run one first let that one end, and then trigger the next one, right? So that at least the results are clean. Um, okay, so this is, <laughs> this, is, this is actually a conversation I had recently uh, where uh, uh, we, we ran a test and we launched it at 50-50, right? So 50% of the people saw the control, 50% of the people saw the variant, right? And we, we let it run. And uh, someone came back and said, well, well you know, people at Yahoo were, you know, they'll do like 5% here and 5% there and, and the rest is control, right? Um, we're not Yahoo, 
right? Unless you work for Yahoo and Soviet or Google or whatever, right? If you have that much traffic that you could really just only show 5% of your users, great. Uh, for the rest of us peons, uh, you really need all the traffic you can get. So uh, if, if I had a choice of sending more users 50-50 split, get the learnings and then do it again, absolutely I would pick that route versus having a 5 or 10% uh, audience group and then letting it run for like three months without any statistical significance. Great question. Yeah. Uh, I see what you're saying. It's about generating enough numbers and people to do the test. Yeah. They need to get so like on a smaller company, like say uh, recently launched Straw, you would want to do 50-50, make sure you generate enough numbers for it. But my thinking would be that maybe this is what they're thinking of the larger company, like say Google or whatever. If you have the control group is already tried and true. You know it's already working good. You don't want to argue with them or, or compromise the integrity. That's why you would only divert 10% of the variance to see how they play out. But they have such a large website presentation that you can afford to do that, and it will still give you the good numbers. Is that what you're getting at? Right. So that that's say um, you don't. Let's say you're not Google, right? And you had a startup, and you let's say you have. Let's say you have 10,000 users a day, right? And that's a lot, right? And you're hitting the site, and, and they're interacting with your site. Um, if you create a variant and you only get, let's say, diverted 10% to it, right? Um, it's going to take a long time for you to figure out whether or not that change was worth it, yeah. right? And so it's a, it's a cost-benefit uh, analysis, right? Like, is it worth waiting, or is it worth just getting the learnings as soon as you can just so that you can reiterate, right? That, it, it, it's a trade-off question. Thank you. Any other questions? No? Okay. Um, there's going to be inevitably a test where somebody wanted to test that footer, right? And like no one sees the footer. And that test is running for like a really long time. So like two months plus, I would say, is a long time. I would say more than a month is uh, anything over two months, I'd say, is a long time, right? Um, don't be afraid to kill it. Because the thing is, even if you let it run for three months and I say, hey, we have a winner, finally, after three months, we've got a winner, that data is so stale, <laughs> like, it, it's not going to be useful to you. So um, don't be afraid to kill your tests, right? It's like sometimes you just got to kill it. Um, this is true for new product managers. Um, so you'll be really excited. You're going to run a test. You're going to set up a test. You tell everybody, hey, we're running a test. And then you set your test, and it's like, my test sucked, right? Like, like I had negative lift. It didn't work. Like, uh, I didn't drive. Like that sign, that beautiful email sign up that we spent all this money on, didn't drive signups. What do we do, right? And and then people are like, well, well, we'll do it again, or we'll tweak it, or we'll learn, or whatever. No, you got to share that news, right? So, especially in people in my role where like my job is basically to be the shepherd for A/B tests, or uh, where you're the product manager for a particular feature, right? A-B tests, the results of A-B test or documenting that and, and kind of holding it out, it's, it's needed because people need to trust your results, right? Your organization needs to trust and embrace A-B testing, especially if you have an A-B testing culture, right? They'll, be accept they, they'll accept the fact that it's a fail. You can't always pick winners, right? Even if you're in, a, in an environment that really is new to A-B testing and you're like, well, our first one had to be a win, share the bad news because that bad news is insight to say, hey, don't go that route, go this route, right? So um, don't hide the bad results because it'll probably bite you in the butt later. Um, just be very open, be like, hey, we ran a test. You know, this is, this is the results. Uh, this is what we learned from it. 
this is our next steps based on these learnings, right? And, and just kind of roll with the punches, be very transparent about it. Uh, don't try to kind of sweep it under the rug. Um, MVTs. Uh, MVT stands for multivariate testing. Um, so if you have a lot of users, right? So if, again, if you're a Google, um, Spotify maybe, right? Like where you have a whole bunch of users, MVT is fine, right? You can run with this. Um, if you're vice size and down, I would say avoid it, right? Um, we don't do it, right? Um, and my, our general thought is, so let me just kind of run through the basics of what a multivariate test is. So a multivariate test is where you're testing multiple variables at, at the same time. So that's take that newsletter sign up, right? And so let's say we're gonna do the newsletter sign up, we're gonna change the copy, right? So let's say we have copy changes, that's, that's uh, one set of variables, right? And let's say we're gonna change the placement as well, right? So we're gonna, we're, instead of a pop-up, we're gonna do it as like an in-body sign up and that's the second variable, right? That is basically two different variables that you're tweaking against. So like, you know, you'll have different experiences and you basically have to run it against a whole bunch of people before you get any kind of learnings from it. Because you don't have a lot, I'm assuming, because you don't have a lot of users, um, you're gonna run into a scenario where your MVT is gonna take forever to run. Your MVT is gonna run two months plus, right? And then again, you're gonna run into, well, the, the learnings weren't that kind of valuable to you, right? So um, as much as possible, my rule of thumb is stick with, with AB. You could do ABN, right? You could do like three different types of copy. That's fine, right? Because it's all kind of different. It's the same variable you're tweaking. That's fine. But if you start kind of doing different variables across the, like when it starts looking like a matrix, I would say think about paring it down and running it as sequential A-B tests. All right, this is my last one. Um, there's some companies that think that A-B testing is everything, right? Like, that's A-B test everything, right? Like, and if you're gonna launch a new feature, A-B test it. Um, if the feature doesn't exist, you can't A-B test it, right? Like, I know this is kind of a, uh, th th there's some people where they will be like, well, let's say, um, let's take that newsletter sign up. Let's say your website never had a newsletter sign up. And you're like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna test a newsletter sign up. There's nothing to test against. There's no control to test against, right? So. There's no reason to A-B test it, right? Um, it's, a, it's a concept that a lot of people don't get. Um, and just, you know, it's just not a silver bullet. The other thing is this. If you don't have a lot of traffic, or let's say you're a startup in stealth mode or something like that, like you just don't have the traffic, you can't A-B test it, right? Like A-B testing is really, it has to be, a lot of people are seeing it, a lot of people are interacting with it um, for it to be valuable. If not, like you're just wasting your time. That's it. That's all my slides. Um, questions? Yeah. Uh, I, I know we've talked about this a little bit. I'm wondering how to actually figure out how much how much traffic or how many conversions per AB test. I yeah. Mean, I know it depends, but so so here's yeah yeah. So uh, the question is, uh, how much traffic do you need, right? Um, so let me run the scenario with you. Okay. Let's say I have variant A and and my control, right? And um, and let's say I have a million users, right? And I split my, my million users in two groups and the, the conversion on this side and the conversion on this side. Let's say they convert equally, right? Let's say I had half a million push the button 50% of the time here and I had half a million push the bu button 50% of the time here. And then you get statistical significance because it was kind of like a seesaw, right? So it's really dependent on what you're putting out there, 
right? Like if if it's like red button, blue button, right? Like and it really didn't make a difference. If it's running forever, that just means there is no difference, right? Um, that's why there's no kind of firm numbers. Like throw a million users. Well, if the million users split equally, then it like you you wouldn't get to statistical significance. That's why it, it's a it depends answer. Um, I'm asking, how do you calculate? So, yeah, I don't. Um, I let the I let the platforms do it, right? Um, the way that the way that um, Vice has done it is that because we basically purchased another platform to do our A/B testing for us, right? We basically set up our metrics, we run the test, and then we'll basically see the results, and it'll spit out the results for us. Now. If you wanted to kind of dig into the numbers and like you know, look at every single interaction and then run it, yeah, there's data scientists people that could do it. Um, not me. Sorry, I don't have the experience to do that. Any other questions? Yep. Uh, you mentioned that there's certain environments that like lend themselves to A/B testing, culture of A/B testing. Um, do you have any recommendations on introducing that? Um. Uh, I would say that, uh, it <laughs> so when I was, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Um, I don't, because it's the only time that I've ever had to like truly introduce it in an environment. Um, so when we were at timeout, we were, we were doing a site launch and we weren't doing A-B testing then, right? So we had a, a hotshot designer come in and they basically said, hey, this is what the new timeout site's going to look like, ta-da, right? And like beautiful mocks. And we had no idea if it was going to work. It was just like, hey, here's the new beautiful site, and we're going to build it this way. And everyone's opinion was different, right? We had people that were on the analytics. I was like, oh, people aren't going to like that. We had our editors like, oh, no one's going to like that. The colors suck here. The spacing sucks there, right? Like, and you had all these opinions coming in. And you had, and, and it, like the, the designers were basically sitting there saying, okay, I'll take your feedback, and I'll rejigger it, and then come back, right? And when you get into those kind of cycles where, like, there's opinions and like there's no kind of like data behind it. That's a really good time to kind of introduce it. Be like, hey, that's A/B tested. Um, it's really hard to do when like you're doing kind of wholesale changes, like especially if like you're building a new product or something like that, and you're like, hey, well, can we A/B test this entirely new app? No, just build the app, right? Do a phase one and then test each module within it, right? A/B testing wasn't really kind of designed for that kind of. Uh, wholesale kind of launch, right? It's really kind of, think of it from a feature-by-feature feature perspective, right? Like, here's a button, or here's a recirculation module, or something, right? Here's an independent feature. Follow-up question, um, do you recommend any specific platform to do that over others? Like, is there like an inexpensive rate that people use for that? Um, yeah, so uh, I've worked closely with Google Optimize and Adobe Target. Um, I've seen the Optimize Lead platform uh, and, and the Dynamic Yield platform. And I would say that um, for low budget, uh, you want to get something off the ground really quickly, uh, Google's plat platform is actually pretty good um, in the sense that it's free when you kind of kick it up, right? And uh, it integrates with Google Analytics, and you know you can pretty much get a test up and run relatively kind of painlessly. Um, I would say that most, most A-B testing platforms um, have this kind of two-part, right? Where it's like, hey, we launched the test and we set up the test and we analyze the results, right? So uh, Adobe targets like this where they could be like, hey, we launched the test on this side, 
But if you want to analyze your results, you got to use Google, uh, well, Omniture or Adobe Analytics on this side. And both of these platforms cost a bucket load of money, right? So um, if you're looking at, you know, Optimizely, you know, it's not a cheap solution either, but uh, they've kind of built both systems kind of together all in one holistically. So in scenarios where you're looking at like, oh, well, I, I ran a test and I had these three metrics that I was looking at. I forgot to add the fourth. They can actually give you the ability to retroactively kind of look back at it, which is a cool feature, right? Um, but I would say if you're just kind of kicking off, getting started, uh, don't have a lot of money, uh, I would say check out Google Optimize. Uh, guy in the back, sorry. So these scenarios, are you serving these A, B in a simultaneous timeline, or is A out in eleven months and then B out in eleven months? How are you selecting who you getting A? That's the so um, there's a difference between sequential testing and A/B testing, right? So what so if let's say I was launching a, a scenario A for let's say the month of July, and then scenario B for the you know month of August, right? That's sequential testing and that's not A-B testing, right? A-B testing is at the same period of time splitting your audience in half and saying audience A gets this and audience B gets that. Um, I don't select. I, 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 that's kind of the value of having a platform do it for you, right? Is, you know, they kind of make the, the randomness for you, but also factor in the fact that, oh, we have a lot of people that are mobile users on, in this test. You know what, I'm going to throw more mobile users on that test and kind of factoring in all those kind of other variables like, oh, these people came in from Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, making sure that, you know, they try your be their best to kind of give you a holistic kind of equal sampling on both sides. Um, yeah. So if I'm using content marketing to drive users back to my website, mm -hmm. Would you consider A-B testing where I'm taking content or I'm using content on different social channels? Same content? So, if you, so the question is if you're using content marketing, is A-B testing kind of the right thing for you? Is it considered A-B testing? Um, so the, I would say the, the best way to use that would be, let's say you're using, let's say you had a blog, right? And, and there was a post that you just put out and you want to drive users with that post. How you market that, let's say Facebook, right? You can have two different variants and test how that post uh, shows up for users in their feed, right? That would be a testing. You're testing not the actual content, but what is served to those users, right? Um, so yes, then in, in that scenario, yes, it would be A-B testing. But to use that same content on Facebook versus Twitter versus LinkedIn, you, you can. Um, or you could just test out different titles and or different you know, lead images and see what resonates with the you know, specific audiences. Well, my purpose is to see which social channel drives the most traffic. Right. So depending on how the data comes through, right, then you'll be able to see. Oh, well. Let's let's take this. Uh, let's take an example of, you know, let's say you were running a a, a post on LinkedIn versus Facebook. Right, and it's about cute dogs. Let's just say it's going to do really well on Facebook. It's probably not going to do that well on LinkedIn. You'll see it, right? So the content itself will speak to it, right? Like your core content will get you to like a base level, and then the A/B testing of your title versus your image or whatever or not that'll give you kind of the incremental on top of that, right? So, but if if you're just trying to figure out which channel works better, yeah, you could throw the you 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 could technically A-B test that. It wouldn't really be an A-B test in its kind of truest form, but yes, it's worth testing. Uh, 
Sorry, other hands? Yes? Um, because you work in the media, and I work in the media for as well, but not starting. Um, we'll start. Do you feel <laughs> that the seasonal aspect of traffic is different when it comes to the media company than it would be to a software type of company? Like, do you always have to think about, like, Trump's something crazy, so our traffic's going to be different today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's something to kind of keep be aware of. So Vice, we did that Charlottesville documentary, right? Our traffic spiked, right? Like all-time high, right? Um, so whenever we were running tests in that period of time, we're like cognizant that, oh, well, there were other forces that were probably driving things, right? Um, so we'll just rerun the test. Um, but in terms of seasonality, and the, um, it absolutely makes a difference. So right. you, you take out like that the traffic from that day to keep things. Sometimes, I, um, so it depends on the, the the ecosystem that you're in, right? So if you're in an environment where you have data scientists that can kind of comb through the numbers and crunch the numbers for you, yeah, they could probably just subtract that day, right, and like dig through the numbers. But if you're using kind of like one of these platforms that like you don't have the ability to select and pick and choose, and technically you shouldn't want, like, shouldn't have to, I would say just rerun the same test, right? Just take a different time, remove that seasonality out of it, rerun the test, and then you will have that kind of insight that you need, right? Uh, but yes, so for media companies, you know, the week, two weeks is usually a, a good kind of length of time to figure out kind of the ebbs and flows of how people interact with your site. Are there any other differences that you see between a media company and a software? Um, yeah, uh, so as a media company, you kind of want to be really cognizant of where your users are coming from, right? Like, you're a Facebook user, like if you're on Facebook and you're coming in and you're, com you're reading the story, you're just going to bounce out. You're going back to Facebook because that's where you want to be, right? Like, the thought that I want to stick on a Vice article, as much as I think they all love Vice, right? Like, probably not. Uh, so being cognizant that... There are some users that just don't want to hang, hang around there versus like let's say I was at Slack and like I'm in Slack all day and I'm building a new feature and A-B testing it. Like it's extremely different, right? Like because it's like they're in that ecosystem uh, that entire time, right? Sorry, I got, I got the two-minute flag. So sorry, a handful of questions. Yes? Um, could you talk more about features that don't exist yet and like that A-B testing of that? And um, you said newsletter versus no newsletter. It's not an A-B Right. Yeah. So, so in so the question is, if you're if if you're trying to run an A/B test around a new feature, like, what do you do, right? Um, so, I would say in the purest sense, it's in the purest sense you can't run an A/B test because the control is blank, right? You don't have something there, right? So, um, if you're launching something new my recommendation was just launch whatever is new and then test the iterations of that whatever module it is, right? So in, in the example of, let's say, that newsletter sign-up, right? That's, let's say the newsletter didn't exist, right? Like, build the newsletter and test, like, two or three variants of that same mold, right? And then you can figure out which, which, which uh, design worked better. But if you're just saying, hey, modal versus no modal, that's not a test. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm just curious, if I were to launch a newsletter right. and I were to say, like, is it worth doing the newsletter in the first place? Is it going to bring up traffic for mm -hmm. what's going on versus the control is without it? Right. Why would that not count? So, I guess it, it, 
the underlying thing is what you're driving, right? So like, or, or what you're measuring. So if what you're measuring is newsletter signups, right? If your primary measure is, let's see how many people like sign up for that newsletter, you're gonna have your variant A drive a whole bunch of signups and your control have zero signups because you didn't give the users something to sign up with, right? So that's why in, in that like isolated scenario, it wouldn't be. You could, um, you could, right? So you're saying, okay, um, your audience, but the problem would be then your audiences are not the same, right? Like if you're, hey, here's my users from my newsletter signups, which have a very different intent, right? so have a very different kind of like usage style, they age bracket, right? Like older people like email, right? Younger people don't like email, right? Like, like so you're, you're already kind of skewing it that way, where in a true A-B test environment, you want the audiences to be kind of identical in both sides, right? But you, you can, but not ideal. Thanks for listening to the Product Podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. If you want to know more about our courses and next courts, visit productschool.com. Stay tuned for the next episode to learn more about the secrets in product management.